0: Father, we we thank you for this evening, for this privilege that you have given to us, that we could come to your presence this evening, O Lord, in the middle of this work week, amidst all the uncertainty that clouded this world. Father, we just acknowledge, we just want to give you praise. We just want to give you the glory for all the great things that you have done, the greatest ever, O Lord, that you transported us, us each one of us from the dominion of darkness into your marvelous light and that lord that you give us the privilege to be called your sons and your daughters the sons and daughters of the living god what a privilege and even now lord father even as we meditate upon your word i speak your blessing over this word that you would anoint us each one of us to hear and me to speak lord that i would decrease and you would increase oh lord That you would give me the ability, O Lord, to speak this word with clarity, O Lord. Father, that I will not make an uncertain sound, that you will keep me from error. And Lord, that you would exhort us, chastise us, encourage us, and edify us that will be rooted and grounded in truth. Thank you. We praise you. Come at this time into your hands. In Jesus' name. Amen. In the light of uh, what we've been studying over the, especially the last Sunday, I titled today's message as "The Three Evils." The three evils, uh, and it's not motivated by this figure. Okay, think no evil, speak no evil, and hear no evil. No, but it's certainly motivated by one title by C.S. Lewis's book, C.S. Lewis. Lewis's book uh, called The Four Loves. Uh, I'm not sure how many of you read it. I didn't read it, but uh, but I know I find it very difficult to read C.S. Lewis because he's one guy who's who writes essays and we have to really draw scripture out of it because it's so motivated by scripture, but this one book though is motivated by four Greek words on love. Storge, Agape, Philio and Eros. The four four loves. He calls them the four loves of, of of Christianity. So today I'm going to talk about not the four loves, but the three evils, and therefore brace yourself with some for some Greek. Well, <laughs> of course that's in light of what we've been studying. And today was one of those strangest days that I've experienced. I was sweating and feeling cold at the same time, and I hope that this fan will do the job for me, that I don't have to use my handkerchief. So let's uh, continue to know what what Pastor was talking about in the last Sunday, the difference between sin and evil, and the last exhortation that we got at the end of last Sunday's message uh, can be summed up, if you will, in this one verse, which says in Romans chapter sixteen, verse nineteen: "For your obedience has come known, has become known to all." Therefore, I'm glad on your behalf. This is Paul's final exhortation and encouragement to the church at Rome. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple or innocent or harmless concerning evil. We looked at that. Don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. So what God is, I mean, the final exhortation, the the Spirit of God through Apostle Paul exhorting the Roman Church and through Roman Church to all of us through the ages to be wise in that which is good. Other translations will say be excellent in that which is good. Be excellent. Okay. Be perfect and simple or innocent. Concerning evil, and this word "innocent" is there in three other places in the in the New Testament, where it says in Matthew chapter ten, verse sixteen: "Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves; therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless, or innocent as doves." This is a strange combination that we are exhorted to have that we be, that should be that we should be wise at the same time and be harmless. This is divine wisdom this is divine wisdom and this is something which only God can give. We cannot do it in our own strength. That is something which we need to understand. Another exhortation by Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians, letter to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 2 verse 14 onwards. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may be, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world A very interesting exhortation that you be harmless but also be wise unto salvation there's one salvation there's one wisdom the true wisdom is the wisdom that saves you that is the true wisdom it's not the wisdom that makes you rich in this world or prosperous or successful in the things of this world but that is that is true wisdom which actually saves you at the end And salvation to the uttermost. Okay. Again in 1st Thessalonians chapter 5. Look at what it says. This is Paul exhorting the Thessalonian church. Look at what he says in verse 19 onwards. He says quench not the spirit. Do not despise prophesying. Prove all that is good. Meaning examine everything that is good. I mean all things not everything that is good examine everything that has been spoken from this pulpit examine everything that has been spoken but in different man of God examine be a good Berian okay that's what it means be a good Berian search the scriptures get into the habit of digging scripture thinking scripture get, getting your mind aligned to the word of God and Prove and test, if it's, see if the spirit is, the spirit, not only the letter, but the spirit behind the letter is true or not. Test that and we have that threefold grid. We remember that uh, whether it's, it should, the word of the Lord, word of God should approve it, the spirit of God should approve it and the person of Jesus Christ, threefold grid, whether it really tallies with these three things test it, prove it. And then when you do that, filter out all that is bad and hold fast, meaning cling in other translations will say to what is good, cling to what is good. The moment you start doing that and you have automatically, you will have another attitude, which is essentially abstaining from all appearance of evil, whatever even, I mean, we don't know what is evil these days. Things, how, how things get camouflaged as as good and evil and things available everywhere. How do we, how do we discern that? Hold fast to that which is good and then ep- abstain from every appearance of evil. And then verse 23, this is salvation to the uttermost, you see. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So abstain from every appearance of evil. and Therefore, we need to examine this carefully. Uh, we've been studying that, and therefore I was studying the Bible, and there's something which I discovered some, for myself. Many men of God were a- ahead of me, gone ahead of me, discovered it already, but this is for myself. Um, uh, one of the things that I've recognize that I should continuously keep doing is whenever I hear the word, doesn't matter which who speaks the word, apply it into your own life first. Okay? Apply it. The moment you listen to a message, don't start imagining people, oh, this was for that fellow, that guy, this guy. No, 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 it was for you. Primarily. Start imagining that. There are three evils which are mentioned in the Bible, three pictures of evil that are mentioned. Evil in the New Testament. The first evil, or the Greek word which is translated as he, uh, evil into, the, into English is called, is the word poneros. Uh, I remember some time back, we talked about this and studied about this. That poneros, that which is opposed to divine viewpoint and divine ways. Anything inside of us which is opposed to divine viewpoint and to divine ways is evil, translated as poneros. study that in in detail. another evil that is uh, mer, uh I mean mentioned in the new, in the Greek New Testament is follows that which is opposed to divine presence, which does not want to do want to have anything to do with God you see. A generation which does not want God in its picture. And I and I told you last time, sometime back, I said, we by default are, are God-haters. We don't want God to interfere in our lives. You see? By default, we are that. That is faulos. Another Greek word which has rendered us evil into the English language is the word kakos. That which is opposed to divine character. First, Poneros, that which is opposed to divine viewpoint and divine ways. with that which is opposed to divine presence. Kakos, that which is opposed to divine character. Three things. And that one uh, verse that we were looking at, uh, the verse that we were looking at the last Sunday in Matthew chapter 6, we'll, look, we'll examine the first evil, Poneros. you need to understand evil has a face. Evil has a face and that's what it means here. Okay. Uh, that's what you are of your father the devil and of his works you will do. You see? He says not when he's contrasting the believer and the unbeliever, he says not like Cain who was of the evil one who hated his brother. Not like Cain who was of the evil one. In other words, he was begotten of the evil one. Or rather, he was the son of the evil one. Or the child of the evil one. Not like him. Okay? Who uh, killed his brother. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 onwards, this is what we looked at last, last Sunday. Our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one the Poneros there that's the word Poneros, which is translated as the evil one or evil personified by Satan himself what does it mean? What does this evil mean? What does it? What does it oppose? The first characteristic of this evil, there are arguments. And what are those arguments? Everybody did. Did God really say? Did God really say? That's it. Did God really? say and you'll find this consistent through scripture right from the beginning look at what it says in genesis chapter 3 verse 1 1 to 5 now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the lord god has made and he said to the woman has god indeed said did god really say you shall not eat of every tree of the garden you see how he's twisting and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. You need to understand this is powerful. There are two trees which are mentioned. Okay. Two trees. We'll come to that before I get to the point. Let me just finish this. We may eat of the tree of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And immediately Satan pounces and he says you shall surely not die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. And the word evil there in the Septuagint translated as, guess everybody, poneros, poneron actually. Which is essentially the... I think it's an adjective. It's a derivative of that. Ponder on. Knowing good and evil. It's remarkable. Two trees which are mentioned. Okay? You know, when you read the Telugu Bible, cursed is any man who hangs upon a tree. The word tree... In Telugu is translated as Mranu, Mranu. It's not, it's not silva, cross. is translated as Mranu, the tree. Cursed is, and there's one song which we sing. Mranu nanachi, Bandar. He was crushed literally on the tree so that we could have access to the tree of life through the body and the blood and the life of Jesus. The access to the tree of life was made through him. Maranu. Cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. Very important. And you'll see that through... Uh, in fact, the tree of life is mentioned only three times in the entire Bible. At uh, three, uh, three places in the entire Bible. One is in Genesis, the other in Proverbs, and the other in Revelation. He is a tree. She will be a tree of life to all those who love him. But how will you have access to the tree of life? Only through the blood of Jesus Christ, and you will see that Satan is opposed to the cross. That's what I'm talking about today. Poneros, that which is opposed to divine wisdom—sorry, uh, a divine viewpoint and divine ways. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 to 4. This Paul is trying to tell us what what Satan actually did in the first. In the first chapter of, I mean the third chapter of Genesis, look at what he says. Oh, that you would bear with me a little folly. And indeed, you, you do bear with me. For I'm jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear. But I fear. Lest somehow as a serpent deceived ye by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ, or a pure and a sincere devotion to Christ. What is that? The next verse he says, he elaborates this, for if anyone comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you will put up with them. You will not test them. you will not reject it. It's opposed, you see, to the divine viewpoint and divine ways. Anything in our life which is opposed to God's ways and God's ways of getting things in this world or even in eternity is of the evil one. Let me prove that to you another place from scripture. This is found in Matthew chapter 16, verse 17 onwards. This is ready, fire, aim, Peter. Ready, fire, aim. What he says, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock... Not not Peter, on this rock, that is the revelation of Jesus Christ. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Peter is absolutely elated. Next verse, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer. Oh, suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. You need to understand when Peter is writing his epistles, Whenever I read it now, I have a different mindset altogether. You know how he introduces himself? I tell you fellow fellow elders who also am a fellow elder, follow the chief example of the shepherd. I was the witness of his sufferings. I was a witness. I was a witness of his sufferings. So when you're reading Peter, understand that he's transporting you literally 2000 years back and he's showing you as an eyewitness of the sufferings of Jesus Christ. Because he understood every rebuke of God. Like Warren B.S.B. said, Thank God Peter opened his mouth. How much of scripture would not have been there if he didn't open his mouth? You see? Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. See, you need to understand, there are three ways, there are three principles that the church of Jesus Christ has built. It's a revelation of the word of God. That is a rock. Second, The keys, which are which is a symbol of authority, the revelation of the word of God, the symbol of authority, and the third thing, which is the most important, is the way of the cross. Is the way of the cross. And then, look at what he says. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, For far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen unto you. And you know what he said? But he turned, this is Jesus, turned aside and said to Peter, Get behind me, O evil one. You evil one. You are an offense to me, for you are not... What mind you're not mindful I love that word not mindful of the things of God but of the things of men. you're not mindful this is so important. the mind is so important. First Corinthians chapter one verse 18 onwards "For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing." But to us who are being saved, this is God's way. That's what he says, right? If you are children, you are heirs of God. If you are heirs of God, John John does heirs with Christ. If you indeed suffer with him, then you will be glorified with him. But I consider, my dear brothers, the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing to the glory that that will be revealed in us. For the creation itself is waiting eagerly for the revelation of the sons of God. Because creation itself was subject to futility, not willingly, but by him who subjected it in hope. The entire creation is groaning with birth pangs to see who the sons of God, they will first suffer and they will glorify and they will be glorified. This is exactly what he says in 1st Peter chapter 4. He says, let this mind arm yourself with this mind like Christ had a mind to suffer for, who, for those who have suffered in the flesh have ceased from. Sin. You see? Um. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing, verse 19, the understanding of the prudent. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are the called, that's a beautiful word, the called, both Jews and Greeks, Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Again, in uh, Philippians chapter 3 verses 18 to 19. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. They are enemies of the cross, they are not enemies of Jesus. They are enemies of the cross whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their Mind on earthly things. So the question we have to ask ourselves, is there anything inside of us which is opposed to divine ways and to divine viewpoint? Is there anything inside of us? Is there anything inside of us? Answer found in the book of Romans chapter 8 verses 5 to 8. You can see this, this is what Paul will lay out, He'll look at what he says. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. You see that? It's a mindset. But those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit, the evidence of this for, to set the mind... Or rather a mind that is set on the flesh. It is a mindset. I don't want to do this way. It's a mindset. For for to set the mind on the flesh is death. It's death to spiritual things. What is death to spiritual things? I'm not interested in the word of God. I'm not interested in fellowship. I'm not interested in prayer. I'm not interested in worship. I'm not interested in... I I, I really don't care about the things of God. There is a death to spiritual reality. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace for the mind. You see that? For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It is absolutely opposed to God. To God's viewpoint and to God's ways. That is the reason why the curse on the serpent was all the days you will crawl on the ground and you will eat the dust. The exact word for the flesh. Dust. A mind that is set on the things of the flesh. It is a set. It's a mindset which accords to this world. It's in accordance to the things of this world. The the value system of this world. We see that in different, different places, different cases. How do you spend your money, for example? How do you spend your time, for example? The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God for it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot, therefore, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You see that? It's a mindset. That is the reason why you need to ask ourselves Is there something inside of us which rejects the word of God? And there is there, it is there inside of us, each one of us. That is the reason why we look at look at ourselves, we don't look at others. So how do I overcome this evil? First, I need to realize what he's after. Okay? What he's after. Know what he's after. So let me read a, pa- a passage from the New Testament and let us see what he's after. Luke's Gospel chapter 22. Everybody knows this. Verse 31 onwards. And the Lord said, to si- Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Okay? But I have prayed for you That your faith should not fail and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brother. So tell me, what is the evil one after? Faith. He's after your faith. Okay. That's what, that's what it means in some sense. Okay. He's after your faith. So how do I, how do I overcome it? Look at this. He's after my faith. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing the word of God. So if he's after my faith, so what is he after then? Therefore, look at what it says in Matthew chapter 13. This is the parable of the sower. Verse 18 onwards. Look at this is a logical construction. Be careful. Observe what I'm saying here carefully. He's after your faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Therefore, look at what it says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 18. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, who comes? The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This was what was sown along the path. Immediately. Immediately. Like for example, like Pastor Rajkumar Ramachandran will say, People will come and come to the fellowship and say, Satan is under my feet, Satan is under my feet, Satan is under my feet. And they'll keep on singing that song. The moment they go out of the house, they'll start fighting with their wife. Satan is under, not under the feet, you are actually under Satan. Immediately, it's gone. You've literally heard the word of God, you've heard the word of God. The moment you get out of the premises of God, you start fighting. That is the reason why on, every time you hear the word of God, you shut treasure it brothers there are no passive hearers in the kingdom of God no passive I mean like our cats will say every time God gives us an opportunity to come and listen to the word you should understand it is a once and for all occasion which will never come back again which one would you prefer to listen to the message live or to to listen to the message recorded first live for me anytime How do you come to the church? Expecting to hear from God? You see, this is these are all attitudes. Here, he's after that word which is going to be sown into your heart immediately he comes and snatches it away. You see? There's no root. No, it will not even, he will not even wait. So he's after your faith. Therefore, the strategy is what? Strategies? Offense? Not defense. No, this is interesting, right? Ephesians chapter 6 will talk about the whole armor of God. Helmet of salvation. Breastplate of righteousness. Uh, loins girded about with truth. The shield of faith. To quench the fiery darts of the enemy. The sh- uh, shoes of the gospel of peace. Okay? Think about it, no? I have the shield. I have the breastplate. I have the helmet. I have the shoes. I have the shield. Will I scare you? You're standing in front of me. What will scare you? The sword. You need to understand that. What scares you is the sword. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. How do you therefore overcome the evil one? How do I overcome the evil one? Matthew chapter 6, will talk about the Lord's prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but it is actually not the Lord's Prayer. That is how he taught us to pray, but there is another Lord's Prayer. Anybody knows it? We call it also the Lord's Prayer, yeah? Not Luke 17, you almost got the number right, but you got the name wrong. John 17, yeah? That is the high priestly prayer. He actually prays for his disciples and look at how he prays. This is interesting. John's gospel chapter 17 verse 15 onwards. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but you should keep them from whom? From the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. So how are you going to keep them from the evil one? Verse 17. Sanctify them by the truths. Your word is true. This is an attitude to be saturated by the word of God. An attitude which will say, Lord, I am desperate. I read your letter, but I want to understand the spirit behind the letter. Give me divine revelation and sanctify me. these days i'm really be really really fired up about uh, paul and because i've been studying the book of romans i'm really getting excited about it and, one, and, and 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 there was this man of god who spoke this something very interesting he said just imagine you're reading a detective novel okay uh, for example maybe agatha christie or or uh, or maybe uh Sherlock Holmes, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle, and you're reading this entire thing and you're, you're getting fascinated and you go literally, you go into the mind of the author and you understand how come he plotted this? How come he thought about that? How come he thought about this? Oh, I missed that and I missed this. And you read the whole uh, this, uh, story. One thing you'll appreciate, boy, what an author. What happens to you? You're transported into the mind of a genius. John Piper says something very interesting. But when you read the epistles of Paul or, or that of Peter, when you see the way he linearly writes the logic and takes you to Christ, one thing that happens, you're not transported into the mind of a genius, you're transported into divine revelation. Divine revelation. You start thinking what the mind of the spirit is. Therefore it says in Romans chapter 8, you do not know how you ought to pray, but the spirit intercedes for us on our behalf. Why? He who searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is and therefore the spirit intercedes on behalf of the saints according to the will of God. You see? According to the will of God. I has not seen, nor ear has heard what the Lord has prepared for those who love him, but he has revealed it to us through his spirit. You see? Immediately you're transported into a mind of God, of Christ Himself. Because Paul Himself will say, I'm the least of all the apostles. Right? but the grace of god was incredibly working i worked harder than all the apostles but yet not i but the grace of god that which is in, that is that which is in me and paul, peter will say exactly in third, second peter chapter 3 will say like our dear brother paul will write according to the wisdom that god has given him what you need is to understand how god thinks how does he think it is written it is also written <laughs> It is written. It is also written. Sanctifying our mind. Start thinking the way God thinks. That is the reason why Acts chapter 2 verse 42 will say they daily gather together for apostles doctrine, for the baking of bread, for fellowship and for prayer. Fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. Be, that's the order. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Start thinking. Start, don't just read scripture passively. Lord, tell me what I'm supposed to think because offer your bodies as a living sacrifice but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove that which is good, acceptable and the perfect will of God. Prove. Prove everything that which is that, uh, uh, of, the, of the word and cling to what is good. Prove everything. Sanctify. And that is the reason why you set such a high premium. High premium on the word of God. You don't ever want to compromise upon that heaven and earth will pass away but your word will not pass away. This is exactly what Peter will say. You know what, the, what, you know what the gospel is? You know what the gospel is? The gospel is all flesh is grass and the glory of it is like the wild grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of the Lord will abide forever. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. The word of God abides forever. What God thinks abides forever. God's ways abides forever. He who does the will of God abides forever, so saturate yourself. there's no, there's no, there's no two ways about it for people who, who struggle with thoughts. Boy, it's going to be tough initially. I, w- I remember those days when i was when I was in college I was twenty two years old. I just went through the entire seventy messages of Zapunan through the Bible. I didn't understand many things, but I just kept on listening and listening and listening and listening and listening over and over and over and over again. And whenever I got scared, (laughs) I went and apologized and made peace. Came back and started listening. This is exactly what you start thinking. Start thinking scripture. Start thinking scripture. I'm not saying this. Let John himself say it. 1 John chapter 2 verse 13. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the Evil one, I write to you young men because you are strong. How did they overcome? You are strong. The word of the Lord abides in you and therefore you are able to overcome the evil one. You see? There's no two ways about it. So first thing, did God really say? That is the reason why Breaking your strongholds in your mind is so important. Every high thing and every high imagination that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, bring it to subjection until it, is, it, is, it comes to the obedience of Christ. That's what it says in Second Corinthians chapter 10. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds in the mind. That is the first evil. Just briefly going. Second one. Does God really say opposed to divine viewpoint and divine ways? Second, opposed to divine presence, that is follows. What does that mean? Everybody read that? Does God really see? Let's read that. John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 19. Onwards. And this is a condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were of the evil one. Poneros. Verse 20. For everyone practicing evil, what? Hates light. Opposed to divine presence. Hates light. And does not come to the light lest his deeds be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that I have been, that they have been done where? In God, in the presence of God, while God is seeing, he is not ashamed of it. You see? It's powerful. Does God really see? I, know I remember it, that story that my parents used to tell, tell me when I was a kid. A cat, when it's stealing milk, you know how it drinks it? Closes its eyes and starts drinking. Because it wants to live in an illusion that nobody's watching it. You see? That's evil. We don't recognize that. We are opposed to divine presence. We don't want God. God, just give me a break today. Okay, please. There's so many other people (laughs) that you have to take care of. Why me, Lord? That's exactly what, this is an incredible attitude and even men of God are not, people of God, not men of God, people of God are not exempt from this, from this danger. Look at what it says in Ezekiel chapter 8. It's very powerful. Ezekiel chapter 8. This is from verse 8 onwards. Then he said to me, this is talking about the Sanhedrin, the 70 Sanhedrin, okay, the 70 elders of Israel. Then he said to me, son of man, dig the wall. So I dug in the wall and behold, there was an entrance. Nobody saw that entrance. And he said, to me, go in and see the wild abominations that they are committing there. So I went in and saw, and there engraved on the wall all around was every form of creeping things and loathsome beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel. Hidden deep down inside, Nobody's watching the thought. Look at the attitude, verse 11. And before them stood 70 men of the elders of the house of Israel with Jezaniah, the son of Shafan, standing among them. Each had a censer in his hand and the smoke of the cloud of incense went up. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the dark? Each in his room of pictures. You see that this is—is is it not reminiscent of today's lifestyle of secret viewing? For they say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. Does he stop there? No. Look at what it says. You know, I'll tell you something. There is something about secret sin. If it is not repented and when you put up a wall of pretense it takes you deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into it and one day it will be a Pandora's box. The Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. Verse 13. He said also to me, you will you will see still greater abominations. You see that? It means it is not going to stop there. Then they commit. And they brought me, and then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord. And behold, there sat woman weeping for Tammuz. Who is this Tammuz? The Babylonian deity. And he said to me, have you seen this, O man? O son of man? You will see still greater abominations. Question for all of us. How is our secret life before God? There's one of the things that I believe in this generation, especially this generation, struggles with is secret sexual sin. Let's be honest about it. Secret. Nobody sees. Because that's exactly the kind of generation that we are living in. At the click of the button, you don't have to go to Sodom. Sodom is right there at your fingertips. Click. And you don't even have to look for Sodom. Sodom presents itself even on news, news channels. John Piper preached a very powerful message. And he said, The closest I came to getting fired is when I wrote this article called Missions and Masturbation. That's the title of his, of his, of his, one of his articles. How people struggle, especially they start on fire with the Lord. They say, Lord, I just want to be absolutely fired up for you. And down the line, they compromise in that sexual area and they just don't get rid of it. And over a period of time, it has its tentacles inside of you and slowly you start losing your power and you therefore you go in this circle of mediocrity pretending that you're okay. How do you get rid of that? And you camouflage your pretense in a lot of religious activity. It's there, and some of you are bound by it. Do you want to come out of it? God says, No, that's that's incredible. That's the reason why Micah chapter 7 is so powerful. Micah chapter 7, you can go and read it. Rejoice not over me, over my enemy. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until the Lord pleased my cause. Very, very powerful. And this this is the day and age that we are living in. We should not be naive about this. The one thing that we don't want to discuss. Especially this particular area. Zak Puran gives a very good way of overcoming it. You know what he says? Whenever you are working, open the door. Put your computer facing the road. So that your boss can come and see what you are doing. When you come home, open the bedroom. Put your laptop like this so that your wife can see what you are doing. Even if she's falling asleep, fallen asleep, don't do anything, just open the door and keep it so that when she comes, she knows that you're concentrating and reading the Word of God. Read Proverbs chapter 29, the last three parts, last eight, six or seven verses. 29. Expose! Expose it. There is no way because that's exactly what Romans chapter 2 will say. That day God will judge man according to the secrets of their hearts according to my gospel. The secrets of men's hearts will be judged. You're not going to be pretending about that. And if you pretend as if God is not watching and you continue, that is follows. Psalm 90. Look at what Moses, the man of God, this is what he has to say in Psalm 90. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. There is no freedom that you enjoy. You cannot enjoy freedom in worship. You cannot enjoy freedom in you, when you read the word of God. There is no fellowship with other brothers because there is guilt and there is fear and there is condemnation. How can you be free? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 to 13. Therefore, this is what he says there. This is a very interesting anecdote. See, church of the living God, we don't condemn people. We convict. We convict so that you can forsake it and experience God's freedom. And that freedom is amazing. Amazing. I remember Sundar Krishna giving this very powerful example. He says, you know what? you, You have temptations in these areas. Replace that temptation with something which is good. And you know what he says? The way I overcome lust in my life, you know how I overcome it? I replace it with another desire. I say, Lord, when I come come behind the pulpit, I need to have anointing. I need to have power. I need to have authority. I desire that. I desire that my life should be changed and the life of my hearers. Replace that. Reprove it. And this is exactly what Ephesians chapter five, verse eight to thirteen will say: For you are once darkness, but now you are what? Like you are darkness. That you, it doesn't say that you belong to darkness, it says you are darkness. It's a difference. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable in the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of the darkness of darkness, but expose them. Expose them. In other words, confess your faults to one another. Have a brother or a sister whom you can be accountable to. And if you don't find people in the church whom you are not accountable to, you are in big trouble. You are in big trouble. Big trouble. Doesn't matter how powerfully you are being used of the Lord. Big trouble. Confess your faults one to another so that you may be healed. And then the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man will avail much. Bring it to darkness. Bring it to light. Hate it. Ask God for a desire to hate it. Because it's there inside each one of us that that the the love of hiding things. To hide things. But rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are manifest by light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Bring it to light. That you will experience freedom you see six husbands sorry five husbands sixth one please bring your husband i don't have a husband finished she brought it to light immediately freedom no shame so you have first evil poneros second evil follows first what does first evil say does god really say did god really say Second, second evil will say, does God really see? That is Foulos. And the third evil, Kakos. Let's, let's read it. Does God care about your company? Not the IT company that you're working in, but the company that you keep. Let scripture speak for itself, okay? First Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 32. If in, if in the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me if the dead do not raise? Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And then he says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good character. First, Poneros, that which is opposed to divine ways and divine viewpoint. Follows that which is opposed to divine presence. Third, that which is opposed to divine character. That which is opposed to divine character. It's interesting when pastor was talking about people coming and planning evil. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 1. This is powerful. Proverbs chapter 1 is cute. The first proverb The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's the first proverb. I mean, that's the introduction. The first proverb is for people in the home. He says, my son, hear the instruction of your father. Do not forsake the law of your mother, for there will be graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. True wisdom, my dear brothers and sisters, is that wisdom which submits to authority. God-ordained authority. And read that in Romans chapter 13. Anything which is opposed to divine character, all authority is God because they are judges of not good, but of what? Evil. Kakos. My sin. My son. Next verse. If sinners entice you, if the first starting point is at home, the next is outside. If sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in the way, lie in way to shed blood. Let us look secretly for the innocent without cause. Well, uh, let's move on. Let us swallow them up alive as, as the grave and whole as they go down to the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let us all have one purse, my son. To not uh, walk, not thou, in the way of them, uh, in the way with them, refrain thy foot from their path. Now, this is an extreme case. How many of us will go and say, "Let us go and plot secretly and ambush"? Nobody says that. Nobody says that, right? Nobody says here. But something else we will say: shedding innocent blood doesn't have to be literally taking life. Come, 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 come together. You know. What that sister said? When you assassinate the character of your brother or your sister, you are shedding innocent blood. You slander your own brother's son. That's what he says in Psalms 15. Your own mother's son you slander and I kept quiet. Let us all have <laughs> one purse. <laughs> that is what we call as Communism. That is not God's wish. In Acts, they had all things in common, but they did not have one purse. That's what he is, that's the reason why it says in 1st Thessalonians, he says, that guy who is not working and making a mess and depending upon others, let him just first go work hard so that he will have the ability to give. One purse is communism. That is not God's wish. It's interesting. Sinners always want to have one purse. My son walked not. Why? Why is it important? For their feet run to evil. And they make haste to shed blood. They run. That word evil there, translated in the Greek as kakos. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. Okay? In other words, people don't even have the instinct of a bird. Bird which lives on instincts. I told you that example, right? When I was in Canada. I learned it. Whenever there is winter, all birds migrate to Guntur because there is a bird sanctuary in Guntur. Okay. So when it gets cold in Canada, you can do two things: you can take a flight and go to Guntur, or stay back in Montreal and shovel snow. This is exactly what he's talking about. This is exactly what he's talking about. He says. People who do this, they don't even have the wisdom of a bird. They don't even have the wisdom of the bird. Evil company, evil company corrupts bad manners. It's like this, you take a glass of clean water and you put one drop of poison. Suddenly the poison will not become clean. The clean water will become poison and how much does it take to make it poison one drop one drop is enough this is very it's very important i mean especially in this day and age that we are living in we have to be very careful whom we associate ourselves with i mean look at what it says in jeremiah chapter 15 verse 19 is very interesting in nlt this is how the lord responds if you this is telling jeremiah okay this is what he says If you return to me, I will restore you so you can continue to serve me. If you speak good words rather than worthless ones, you will be my spokesman. You must influence them, they should not influence you. Who influences your decisions? Your boss. Interesting. Vijay. Don't get married, Vijay. Dedicate your life to research. I asked him this question one day. No, really, this was 3 o'clock in the morning. 3 o'clock in the morning, we had a paper deadline. 3 o'clock in the morning, and we were walking to the coffee shop because we had to submit the paper by 7 in the morning. So we work 72 hours at a stretch without sleep, including my boss. So I asked him, sir, I just want to ask you a personal question. Uh, sir, I mean, you work like this. Does it not affect your marriage? Ah, yes, Vijay, it does. I mean, uh, you know, uh, thank God for my wife, but uh, I've seen so many marriages breaking up because of the boss or the guy who's dedicated to research like this. See? And I I, therefore, I advise people don't, don't get married. So, you know what? I didn't tell my boss that I was having a baby. You wouldn't believe it. March 5th, was Abigail's birthday? March 7th was a paper deadline. March 6th was a paper deadline. March 6th was the paper deadline. March, was the paper deadline. March 5th, 5th was Abigail's birthday. She was she was she was in the hospital. And now I was like, oh my God, should I tell my boss and the paper deadline? I was saying, Lord, do something about this. And there was a tsunami in Japan. Not today. You know what happened? Because Japanese Robotic Society was sponsoring our conference. They postponed the deadline by 15 days. So I went to the hospital. I went to the hospital, came back and I said, Sir, I have a baby now. Otherwise, oh Vijay, what will happen to you? And they will start influencing your decisions. I'm telling you honestly. They will start influencing your decisions. You start looking at them and see the glory that they get. Don't tell me you will not be attracted to it. Because I, I, even if I go now to triple I still can't help but attracted to the robot. I keep away. Lord, I put my hands on the floor, I ain't turning back. Because they will influence you. No question about it. Don't, don't even think about it. Your decisions, your value systems. Vijay, well, we're, we're just working hard. What are you doing? You're contributing to robotics, really. I mean, as if robotics is dependent upon us. We're indispensable. There's a glory of God. There's a vain glory of man. There's a glory of God and there's a vain glory of man. With all the technology that Japan has, it's the number one in the world in robotics. And especially on, if you know, production engineering, in supply chain management, they are the world number one. Everything is automated. With all the automation, when the tsunami came, not even a single robot helped them. They had to shut down the nuclear plant. Shut down. The glory of man. You see, you, you, I'm telling you honestly, you go to academia. The way we exalt the opinions of men and the ideologies of men, the achievements of men. Not one thing will be valid in eternity, except it is done for God, and that is the reason why I love Blaise Pascal, that scientist you know what he said, why should you pray brother, you know what he said, you know what he said he said, this is a powerful statement, he said prayer is God's way on conferring, of conferring on humanity the dignity of causality God's way of conferring on humanity the dignity of causality, that is prayer this is Blaise Pascal God's way People who scientists who literally had a mind of Christ and Newton wrote more about Christ than summit papers. And today we exalt something else. The opinions of men and the achievements of men and put them on the pedestal. Second Corinthians chapter 6 is exactly what he says. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship? So when somebody comes and says, I fell in love with an unbeliever. Baba, you don't even come to me. So what are you trying to ask? Do what you want to do. I'm not going to endorse it. What communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. Come out from among them. So what do you, what is the, what is the antidote for this? What is the antidote for this? Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 is the antidote. What is that? Anybody knows it? Let's read that. As iron sharpens iron, so man sharpens the countenance of his friend. So when you want to get married, the spouse, one of them, should challenge you. You the, the, the stronger one should not should not be pulled down by the weaker one. You see? There are unequal yokes even in Christian marriages. Just because you got a Christian name, Sarah is getting married to Abraham doesn't mean they are literally Abraham and Sarah. They may not be. You see? One could be Jacob and the other could be Rachel. But they just have Sarah and Abraham at their names. Pulling down. Let there, I mean there should be a challenge. In other words, when we come together, there should be a challenge that we throw at each other as to how we live. There's a sharpening that we do. That there's a sharpening that happens when brothers come, when we fellowship with one another. Fellowship with like-minded believers. People who are going in the same direction. Because anything else, evil company, corrupts good character. That is three evils today for you. We are going to examine our heart in the light of what we have heard. What is the first evil? Poneros, that which is opposed to divine viewpoint and divine ways. Thus, did God really say? In other words, you will surely not die. There are no consequences for your actions. Do you think God is going to judge you so severely? He's going to judge you so severely? No, 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 no. You know what it says in Hebrews chapter 12? It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Very fearful. Ask David. That's what he thought. When he plotted, he thought that God did not see. It says in the book of, uh, I mean, 2 second, second Samuel chapter 12. What, when David went, did all this, the thing that David did displeased God. Displeased God. Ask him. The sword never departed from his home. Ask him. There are consequences. And if God loves you and he will chastise you and the floggings of God are not going to be easy for you to bear. Let me tell you something. If you're a smart guy, escape the floggings of God. <laughs> God. <laughs> Don't do it and then see. Let's see what happens. Don't try that. Don't try that. A f- person who is the, the wisest person, people learn from experience. Wise people learn from Others people experience that's exactly the reason why it says in Second Corinthians chapter ten, all these things these things have been written for us as examples, so that we will not lust after evil things evil as they did to keep you from the evil one to keep you so tornados, that which is opposed to divine viewpoint and divine ways. Phylos, that which is opposed to the divine presence. Third, Kakos, that which is opposed to divine character. Evil communication corrupts good character. Let's guard our hearts this evening and examine ourselves in the light of what we have heard. The three evils, it's there in each each one of us. It's there? Because it's what it says, right? Out of your heart proceed evil thoughts. Evil thoughts. He doesn't mention sinful thoughts. He says evil thoughts. How can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of your heart, mouth speaks. It's there inside of you. And one man of God said something very interesting. Sin does not destroy a nation or a church. Evil does. And where is evil? Lurking in our own hearts. That which is opposed to God. It's there, right there inside of each one of our hearts. Therefore, we need to examine ourselves out of our hearts. Produce, come evil thoughts. Kakos, that's the word again. Produce evil thoughts. That which is opposed to divine character. But you know what Peter says? God has given us all things for life. His divine power and godliness. His divine power has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. All things. All things have been given to us. Amen. Let's examine our hearts this evening. In the light of what we have studied that we will we will continuously constantly examine and say Lord this is evil and our deliverance and our repentance and our uh, commitment to the Lord will depend upon how much we are apprehended by the evil that is in our own heart that's what I believe with all of my heart the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked I the Lord search the hearts to give every man according to his works Father we thank you we praise you Father we worship you Lord we give you glory, honor and praise for this evening, oh Lord Father. Father, give us the Spirit to examine our own hearts, not somebody else's, because you said guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Father, give us a grace, oh Lord Jesus, a humility to accept the evil that is in our own heart and to replace that with your word and to fight the evil one every day of our lives. Be on the offensive to to arm ourselves with a mind that will suffer like Jesus Christ suffered. Because whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That's what your word says. Thank you, Father, for this time. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory, honor, and praise for this day. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.